This, 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 this is mythical. Aioli, a sophisticated sauce traditionally used with grilled poultry and fish. But could it be just common mayonnaise masquerading as some highfalutin condiment? Today we find out. This is a hot dog as a sandwich. Ketchup is a smoothie. Yeah, I put ice in my cereal, so what? That makes no sense. A hot dog is a sandwich. A hot dog is a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> what? Welcome to our podcast, A Hot Dog is a Sandwich, the show where we break down the world's biggest food debates. I'm your host, Josh Sher. And I'm your host, Nicole Hendizade. And today we are answering the question, are mayo and aioli the same thing? Nicole, what do you think? No. They are not the same thing. Liar. You think lies. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of true aioli erasure, okay? I'm sick of it. Here's the thing. I think aioli, I think it is not aioli erasure. I am in the aioli mayonnaise melting pot camp. They are both delicious that we should all just include them. One world, one condiment. Also, I have a personal vendetta in this because there is nothing more in the food world that I hate other than apparently the cilantro genetic hating community because they weren't too happy about a couple episodes they ago. They were not happy with you. They, they, were, were, they were not down with the business. I thought we were about to get canceled by cilantro haters. And however, <laughs> I would have worn that as like a badge of honor if that would have happened. <laughs> That's fine. That's how I want to die is being like stoned by an angry mob of cilantro haters. Uh, but another thing that I really hate in food is when people go, I hate mayonnaise, but ugh. I love aioli. It's just like they're this they're functionally the same. For how you are speaking about them, they are functionally the same. We could go into the history of no. the dishes and how they are different and I suspect that we will. But functionally speaking, yeah. mayonnaise and aioli are the same thing. And Rachel Ray, you are contributing to the problem by saying that you hate mayonnaise but love aioli. And also my own <laughs> brother, my own flesh and blood is one of the mayonnaise haters but aioli lovers of the world no. and it pains me. You've met my brother. Not John. John. Not John. <laughs> John has a similar name to me and we are very similar people. <laughs> we are both like weird bougie trash raccoons about food and we both love just like decadent garbage but it kills me because mayonnaise is the most decadent garbage there is and my own brother does not like it but loves aioli. And so for me, I'm coming at this from a bit of a personal place. You know, there is implicit bias that's coming into this conversation for me. Um, so I need you to know that off the bat. But for me, mayonnaise and aioli functionally are the same thing. Yeah, I need you to know something right off the bat. I sent all of maybe seven minutes with your brother and I like him like 50% more than I like you. I don't Wait. know why, but I, I like want to be best friends with John so bad that like, I don't even care if you exist. But um, like I was saying, I think we need to talk Wait, about- Wait, hold on. No, let's, let's address John. Let's, this, because this is a thing that I've heard now from multiple people, which I don't understand. I love my brother. I also think he's great. Do I think he's better than me? No, like Manny is Naoli, we are the same. But when it, John, because my girlfriend, Julia, couldn't come to the Christmas party, so I brought John as my plus one. Uh, and he came in like a full suit and tie, looking way better than me. And like, I was off drinking, gallivanting around with people. I was dancing a whole lot. Uh, and then John just comes back to me and he has Link with him. And he's just like, 
me and Link are best friends now. And Link was like, yeah, we are. It like daps him up. I was like, out of John, I've been working with Link for two years and I've been begging with him to connect with me on a friend level. John meets him for six minutes at a bar and he and Link are best yeah. friends. That's fine. He just has he just has one of those personalities like you want to be friends with him. Not that you don't, Josh. It's just it's just I can't explain it. It's just a certain magnetism of John. And don't you don't need that to be successful. You are perfect the way you are. But John, you just want to be friends with him. But that does have that has nothing to do with mayonnaise and or aioli. It's not fair but because I, I have to know you all in a professional context. So like you have to look at me as like a responsible yeah. leader. You call this professional? <laughs> I can see your Get points. Get out of here. Anyways, we love John. John hates mayonnaise. <laughs> I think you and I need to decide uh, what is the definition of mayonnaise and what is the definition of aioli. Do you want to take that and talk about what the <sighs> definitions of the both? Oh, uh, geez. Okay. So mayonnaise, right? Mayonnaise has a legal definition mm-hmm. in the government, which is, hold on. I wrote yes. this down somewhere because it gets it gets way in the weeds, which I think is hilarious because in the early 20th century, pre-made mayonnaise becomes really popular in America. And so there needs to be legislation about it. So this is the government's official definition of mayonnaise. which gets in the weeds very quickly, but I think it's hilarious. Mayonnaise contains not less than 65% by weight of vegetable oil, any vinegar or vinegar diluted with water to an acidity of not less than 2.5% by weight, lemon juice and or lime juice in any appropriate form, Mm -hmm. which I love that there's an inappropriate form of lemon juice, Uh, (laughs) liquid egg yolks, frozen egg yolks, dried egg yolks, liquid whole eggs, frozen whole eggs, dried whole eggs, or any one or more of the foregoing ingredients listed in the paragraph with liquid egg white must be used. So there's like a very legalistic definition of mayonnaise because America FDA went and legalized everything. However, the same does not exist for aioli and aioli for me gets like super in the weeds. No one can like exactly there's no, there's no agreed upon definition of aioli, which is where this entire argument to me breaks down, right? That aioli to me can be anything. It can't be anything. It can't be uh, dog food and sprinkles. It, it is a combination of two ingredients mainly, which is olive oil and garlic. That's how it starts. That's how it was born. That's how it was bred. Any addition to that completely changes it. And I think that's that's where my issue lies. I think adding it, making it canola oil totally bastardizes it. Adding an egg yolk makes it into mayo. I don't think they're the same thing. I think people took the idea of aioli, which is supposed to be this really crude, really basic mortar and pestle mash. And I think people have just taken it and and relabeled it and changed it to make it more appealing, to make mayonnaise more appealing to the masses because nothing is sexier than aioli mayonnaise <laughs> is mayonnaise i pronounce it mayonnaise <laughs> mayonnaise mayonnaise is mayonnaise and aioli is aioli so i think there's a lot of um it's just taking that that name and putting it to something else which is what has happened in the restaurant industry also if i'm eating french fries I'm not going to eat it with mayonnaise, but you better believe I'm going to eat it with some aioli. That's an extra $2.99 on the side. You know what I'm saying? I love I love your appeal to sexiness. I love your appeal. Yeah, to, like, food is sexy. Mon amour, do you want to come eat aioli by the seaside <laughs> and drink Beaujolais? Versus like, hey, honey, you come eat some mayonnaise with me? <laughs> exactly. But, okay, so, so you consider aioli just to be the emulsification of garlic and oil. Right? Yes, exactly. That's so, that's what it is. In its purest, crudest form, that is what aioli is. It's just oil, olive oil, garlic, and air. <laughs> and air. 
Just get a blow on it. You just gotta go, <laughs> and that's aioli. Okay, so what you're talking about is Catalan style aioli, right? Which is spelled A L L I O L I, so pronounced. Which is a combination of oleum, which is Latin for oil, and allium, which is uh, Latin for garlic. Uh, garlic. I know. Yes, thank you. Sorry. Oh, oh we like use that. the same Wikipedia links. Okay, don't get it twisted. <laughs> So if you look at like the root of that one, it's not technically a Latin root. It is actually an Occitan root. Now, Occitan was the predominant language. What'd you call R- me? Ryan over here is frowning because before this, he was just like, guys, you know, maybe don't get bogged down in the history of all this. And I'm like, Ryan, this is this is deep. This is hardcore history with Dan Carlin, but about garbage foods. And that's going to take this. OK, so the Occitan language, right? Uh, it spanned like southern France and northeastern Spain, which are now the reason the regions of Provence and Basque and Catalonia, right? And so, if you look mm-hmm. at aioli in Catalonia, which is where Barcelona is, they have a huge separatist movement in Spain. I don't know much about that, but anyways, their version <laughs> of aioli is like what you're talking about, which is just garlic and oil, uh, combination of the two words for garlic and oil in the Occitan language. Uh, But if you look at Provence, which is also in that same region, and this all, you know, spawned at the same time, their version of aioli, which is how we spell it. So for me, the aioli we're eating in America is Provencal style aioli. And that's where it was actually popularized, has egg yolks in it. But there's also influence from the French, right? In Provence, like Provence yeah, so, is so French, right? Provence is like now part of France, but like, you know, so many parts in Europe kind of have their own independent cultures that retain, you know, certain practices and linguistic differences. So in Provence, mm-hmm. aioli is spelled A-I-O-L-I, which is how we spell it in America, right? And Spain is different. And they put egg yolks in there. So like, it is so what's the word, like topologically similar to mayonnaise? Like it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's garlic, mayonnaise. It's made with olive oil because like all they had back when it was invented was olive oil. Like canola oil wasn't mass produced. But to me, the emulsification of egg yolk and olive oil and anything else is an aioli, is a mayonnaise. You know what I hate? I hate the redundancy of garlic aioli though. Doesn't that piss you off? It's like, that's not necessary. That's just redundant as hell. It's like chai tea. Like chai is the word for tea. Yeah. Chai means tea. My dad used to say ATM machine all the time. And Ryan just typed in like ATM machine into the chat. And I was like, <laughs> I've always wondered why Ryan reminded me of my dad. Uh, and there he is. Uh, okay, boomer. Uh, but no, Trevor I, calls Ryan a boomer every day. Sorry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any problem with the term garlic aioli. Because to me, aioli and mayonnaise are inseparable in the modern context that we view them in. I know the etymology in Latin and Occitan comes from, you know, the word for garlic. Um, but to me now in the American context, especially within which we're discussing it, they're the same thing. Like if you go to a restaurant and you say like there is an aioli on the menu, say there's a sriracha aioli, you know, like there's garlic. You mean spicy mayo? Do you mean spicy mayo? I do mean spicy mayo. However... What's one of the main ingredients of sriracha? Yeah, chili peppers. It's garlic, homegirl. Garlic is oh. one of the main ingredients of sriracha. So if you take mayonnaise, right, which you would agree that mayonnaise plus garlic equals aioli or no, because you think all aioli does not have egg yolk in it. I think all aioli does not have egg yolk in it. I think people have taken the name aioli and bastardized it. So you think even like the people in Provence, France, 
dating back Yum. 500 years. They may have even invented it. No one actually knows if this is originally mm-hmm. from Spain, right? It was all kind of one people in one region. You would go to a Provencal right. Frenchman and go, uh, excuse mm-hmm. me, uh, monsieur, uh, you're trash. Uh, your aioli is not aioli. Even though your aioli well, no. is the one <laughs> that has come to America. And you would call it, Nicole, aioli in Provence is literally a Christmas time tradition. They have a feast called Le Grand Aioli, or this is the best name in food history, Aioli Monstre, which literally means monstrous aioli. And they eat it traditionally on Christmas to, God, I don't know much about uh, about Christianity, but I'm sure the feast has some historical Jesus significance. And they eat it with like salt cod and boiled vegetables and everyone gathers around the table. And you'd be like, sir, your Christmas tradition dating back hundreds of years is BS. I never said it was BS. Because you put egg yolks no. in your aioli, so you can go home, sir. No, I never said that. I'm not rude like you to just like totally disrespect people in their Provencal restaurants, all right? No, I'm just saying, I I just hate the fact that aioli, like linguistically, has just been altered in America to feed a specific classist dipping sauce that would have never existed if it wasn't for them usurping that word. That's all I'm saying. Putting mayo and garlic together does not make aioli. Mayo and garlic is garlic mayo, and I'm sorry if you don't think that way. I'd like to think that I am the true champion of the people. I am trying to destructure the classist myth (laughs) of mayo versus aioli. If we agree that mayo and aioli are the same thing, then we can agree that they should all be on equal playing field. I'm not saying people should pay $2.99 more for aioli. I'm saying... But you do! I I do. Look, this is a long battle that we all got to work towards. But I think I think <laughs> that like you know Subway taking the term I don't know, Subway hasn't introduced aioli yet, but they call you know all their things are basically aioli in one form or another. Their Southwest sauce, it's got garlic in it, it's mayonnaise. To me, that's an aioli. I think we should call everything. You think aioli. Southwest sauce? You think Southwest sauce from Subway is aioli? Southwest sauce from Subway is as much of an aioli as the original <laughs> mortar and pestle pounded version. <laughs> That it was made in Catalonian homes back in the 1500s. Okay, but you talked. <laughs> we are to a girl. No, 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 no. Wait, you're literally speaking to the woman that literally <laughs> would drown her tuna sandwiches in a combination of sweet teriyaki sauce and Southwest sauce. That's not a my darling. That is not aioli. That is mayonnaise. <laughs> To, to a tea. Wait, what are you saying? Wait, you combine sweet onion teriyaki with the Southwest sauce? That's Yeah, the sweet onion sauce with the teriyaki sauce and tuna with the mayo. Mwah, mwah, mwah. You know what's hilarious? That is literally just like L.A. sushi. If you think about it. Yeah, all, exactly. All it tastes LA like sushi. sushi uh, and they're all run by, they're, most sushi bars in LA are run by Korean people. There's a really fascinating history behind mm-hmm. that. Uh, and they are delicious. They are some of my favorite food. But a lot of the rolls come with like a squiggle of sriracha mayo and eel sauce, which is very similar to teriyaki sauce on top. And so, Nicole, you are literally going to Subway and you're taking tuna and teriyaki sauce and spicy mayo you're literally trying to like recreate the flavors of sushi at a subway, and that is one of the things I love about it. I wasn't trying. I wasn't trying to recreate it. I did recreate <laughs> it. I was eating sushi. You don't get it. I was eating sushi in like fifth grade, but the only difference was instead of rice, I ate it between a loaf of a uh, you know honey wheat bread. That's that's beautiful to me. That's like you know the L.A. melting pot experience. But it's not aioli. Aioli <laughs> is okay. 
I don't know. So you drive a good point. I think the Provencal thing really like kind of turned it over for me when you, whenever you made me feel like crap because of the poor Provencal chef I was going to cuss out and say he was doing a bad job. He's a good but person. He just wants to feed his family. <laughs> well, you have to think about pesto. Pesto was made the same way about being like ground in a mortar and pestle with basil leaves olive oil, some cheese, and uh, and pine nuts. And it gave you this really beautiful, rustic, thick condiment. Same with chimichurri, same with everything else. So is, is modern technology and like the addition of like blenders and the addition of a more efficient grinding tool, does that change the dish? I, I think that's really interesting. And it's interesting you. that you brought up yeah. pesto too, because that's another one of those sauces that gets like hella bastardized by literally everybody in food, right? I remember growing up, it's funny because the kind of opposite, or I suppose it's the same phenomenon that happened with aioli where people would just take mayonnaise and add hot sauce to it and call it like, uh, you know, Frank's Red Hot Aioli, right? And it's just mayonnaise. It's places that would- Chicken sauce. Chicken sauce. (laughs) I remember going to restaurants and I'd see like spinach walnut pesto and I'd be like, ooh, that's fancy. They took pesto and then they made it even fancier by adding spinach and walnuts until I just realized that all they're doing is like cheapening the ingredients. Like OG pesto, which is from Genoa, right? Pesto Genovese is made with like real Genovese basil and garlic and pignolia or pine nuts that have been roasted. And I know you don't agree with roasting pine nuts and pesto, but you're freaking wrong about that. It's dumb. But anyways, I'm not wrong. Anyways, those are all like very flavorful, expressive, beautiful ingredients. And then when you actually, anyone knows, you take herbs and you slap them and you like express their beautiful essence out of them. So when you're pounding that into a mortar and pestle and actually like really grinding all the flavors together uh, and getting, like you said, this beautiful rustic sauce, it's so much different than throwing like pine nuts and spinach and crap in, or uh, walnuts and spinach into a blender and cheapening it. And so I think that has a legit thing. And to me... The solution here, we talked about something similar uh, in Opinion Casserole last time when someone said that like Cincinnati chili is complete BS. It has nothing to do with the food of my heritage. It's legit Tejano chile con carne. And I introduced the idea that like we just need separate names for them. Like we need entirely, you can still call it chili, but call it like exclusively call it, you know, chili Cincinnati or something or just call it something completely different like pesto genovese is like a legit thing. And then Cheesecake Factory throwing their spinach muck on top of your garbage panini. (laughs) That needs a different name. In the same way that legit Catalan aioli, like you're talking about, which is just, you know, garlic and oil pounded together. Mm -hmm. They just need like a new name. They need like a, like, why do they need a new name why does that need a new name whenever that's the original that's the original birth of the aioli why do they have to change they're the they're the creators of the condiment why do they have to change tell everyone else to change well i don't know if they are technically the creators of the condiment so okay this is this is part of the research rabbit hole so there are uh the root word for aioli comes from aliatum, which is actually a legit Roman sauce that was written by Pliny the Younger in 79 AD. Ryan, oh Ryan, yeah, God. I'm bringing up the writings of Pliny the Younger. This is happening. Get me <laughs> out of here, Ryan. No, so le- legit, like this, this sauce started in the Roman Empire where they would just pound garlic and oil together. But then if you take that concept, you go to Catalonia and you call it aioli. But if you go, you know, further uh, east, God, I don't know geography, uh, tomb develops in egypt yes which is i love tomb i love tomb too but how do you make tomb you take garlic and you boil it and then you grind it up and you incorporate canola oil or any sort of oil and you whip it up until it turns into a beautiful fluffy mess you're describing aioli tomb is aioli no i'm not zanku chicken garlic sauce is aioli that's literally what it is no the name aliatum 
Aioli from Alea, right, goes west, and then Tum goes east. So, like, you're literally taking this condiment that the world over has made. You go to Greece and they call it Scordalia, but it all comes from the same Can thing. Can I ask you a question? Can I ask you I a question? I would love Why you to ask text- me a question. <laughs> Why is the texture of tomb so fluffy and beautiful? And why is aioli so stagnant and chunky and raw? There's a slight variation in how it's made, right? Which is like typically blended with uh, oil and the garlic is blanched. But it's still the same ingredients. Are you just saying if you take the oil or the garlic and blanch it, then you're completely changing the dish? Yes, because the texture is so different. The textural differences are astronomical. They are, but it's... Tomb and aioli... But Nicole, you are the one. Dude. You are the one who said... (laughs) who said that the definition of aioli comes from the word, right? The combination of like, I meaning uh, garlic and olea meaning oil. This is just garlic and oil and they're using from the Latinate root that got transferred to Egypt. Tomb, you go to Zenku Chicken, what are you, you're eating, you're eating aioli now? That is tomb erasure, Nicole. And you should be expressly oh, sorry to the Middle Eastern community. <laughs> I'm Persian. Leave me alone. Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, my last name shows it. Um, but I don't know. You know, I, it's like okay. So was tomb made by hand as well, or did it? Did they use like a special like like frothing <laughs> material? I hate when you do this. Like, to be clear, every you know every I mean? sauce like dating before let's say nineteen hundred was made by hand, right? Like every sauce was literally a mortar and pestle. Every single culture has developed the mortar and pestle in some way. You go to like uh, Thai restaurants, right? And they use the mortar and pestle to pound out papaya salad. Mexican restaurants, they they use the uh, uh, molcajete, uh, molcajete to make guacamole, to make different kinds of moles. Um, you go to Puerto Rican restaurants, they use a mortar to pound out mofongo. Like that was just the only yeah, tool that existed. I get it. Okay, for hundreds of years. fine. So literally. I'm just upset. That you're right. Can you make mayo with a mortar and pestle? Yeah. Next question. <laughs> you can. Think can about you it. really? Think about it. You can emulsify anything. It just takes hella long to, you know, take a mortar and pestle and essentially use it as a blender. Because that's all you're doing. Because you can make Provencal-style okay. aioli with egg yolk in a mortar mm-hmm. and pestle. Uh, it just pr- probably get a little bit grosser than anything else. You just got a bunch of old egg yolks stuck in the little grooves. But yeah, you can make mayonnaise yeah. in a mortar and pestle. But the problem is things have changed so, so, so much to change the definition of aioli and mayonnaise since then that I think we need some sort of regional historical protection for Catalan and Provencal-style aioli, right? I think I think they need to take a page from the, the not the VSOP, VSOP's uh, uh, cognac from rap songs. What's the, um, yeah. <laughs> pizza, the Neapolitan Pizza Protection Fund that is probably run by the mob? Oh, frick. We talked about it in our first episode. It's like the, it's, I don't know. Neapolitana, it's like just the certificate. Es- <laughs> no, no. It's just like the certificate of like authenticity that this is a Neapolitan style pizza. Pizza was born in Naples and then they saw it get bastardized in America. Uh, and they were like, look, we can't stop them from using the word pizza. But what we can do is create a verification process to let people know that this place has legit Neapolitan pizza from the birthplace of pizza. That's what, if Catalonia cares, I don't think they do. But if they did, they would be like, look, we can't stop every restaurant in America from adding hot sauce to mayonnaise, putting it on a chicken sandwich, and calling it aioli. But what we can do is we can protect the version that we see as the original. And I think they need to do that. I think 
progress has happened, whether you consider it good or bad, and that aioli is now synonymous with mayonnaise. It is, if you did like a blind taste test versus a garlic aioli and a garlic mayonnaise, there would be no way to tell the difference. They are complete substitutes in recipes. There's nothing you need aioli for that you like don't, that you couldn't just use mayonnaise for unless you are celebrating Christmas in Provence, of course. You can't trick a Provencal person. That's what they say. But to me, they are complete substitutes with the way that we perceive them now. So if I go to a Provencal-style Christmas party and I bring a tub of craft mayo and I put it in front of them and I say, Happy Holidays! <laughs> is that fine? Is that cool? Is that kosher? I don't think so, but that's what I'm saying. Like, we need to call that, like, by its original name. Like, Ioli Monstre. That's what they just exclusively need to call it. It's Ioli Monstre. Monstrous Aioli. That sounds tough. Josh, was that your nickname in high school? Just be honest. Did they used to call you the Aioli Monster? No, they called me Mayo Monster, but some say that's the same thing. (laughs) They called me Mayo Girl in culinary school because I was so good at whipping up mayo. Literally, they used to call me Mayo Girl. And then at my other job, someone used to call me Little Mayo. Did you know that? Shout out to... (laughs) No, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, mayonnaise runs deep in my in my uh, personality <laughs> too. But I can also say that can we agree that they're cousins, but they're not the same thing. Like if I go to a party, and if I invited Janet, but Janice comes instead, <laughs> am I gonna be okay? Yeah, I'm chill. It's fine. Janice can come in place of Janet as long as there's representation of that family there. Is that cool? I I have no idea what that analogy meant. What do you mean? They're like the same thing, but not really. They're like twins. I don't know who They're Janice like and Janet are. Who the hell are Janice and Janet? <laughs> maybe one's a... They're like Maybe twins. one sucks. Maybe Janice sucks and Janet's the good one. I, I do agree with you that I think they should be more easily differentiated. And I think history has taken mayonnaise and aioli in maybe not the best direction. And that if I could have stopped it at the time, I would have and been like, every flavored mayonnaise is just called mayonnaise. You don't need to call it aioli to upcharge. But now that they are calling it aioli to upcharge, I think Catalonia needs a protection system the way Naples did. And I think that places need to reduce the price of their chicken sandwich. Nicole, we've heard what you and I have to say. Now it's time to find out what other wacky ideas are rattling out there in the Twitterverse. It's time for a segment we call... Uh, do Opinions, Opinions are, are like, like casseroles. At I am Jax, peanut butter cookies should not have those crosshatch marks on them. They're pointless and ugly. I will die on this hill. <laughs> I have never felt less passionate about a food issue in my entire life than I do about the crosshatch marks on peanut butter cookies. But I love that Jax does feel passionately. And you know what? I'll ride or die for them. Screw those crosshatch marks. They're ugly. I'll die on that hill. Hey, man, do you. If that's what the if that's what you want to do with your time, you know, just talk about crosshatches on peanut butter cookies, you do you. But if you ever talk about snickerdoodles, you're dead to me. Wait, you know, you know what? I guess my version of this are the carrots that are cut with like the little frills on the outside or like any vegetable that's carved. Oh, you mean this the squiggly, the squiggly knife? Yeah, I there's something about it. Oh my it god, that, I love my squiggly knife. I just hate it. I don't know what it is. It makes the carrots what? taste worse to me when they got the squiggly edges are you kidding me my favorite thing to do when guests come over is to cut my fruit with the squiggly <laughs> knife and it's decor uh, you wouldn't understand 
<laughs> you you don't understand the class that goes into my squiggly knife. And I never skills. will. And I'm fine with that, frankly. <laughs> Frankie underscore Cassidy. Unpopular opinion. Tuna fish and spray cheese on Chips Ahoy are actually game changing. The real question is, are you doing it with the blue box of Chips Ahoy or are you doing it with the chewy? You know, because if you're doing it with the chewy, I understand because those cookies taste like chemicals and I love chemically enhanced cookies. But the blue one, I can't get it. I can't. I can't get that. Yeah, I love Chewy Chips Ahoy so much. My my best friend Deep's mom used to keep so them in the house, and I would just eat like entire sleeves. They're chemicals. They're they taste like ch- chemicals. It's crazy. It tastes like astronaut cookies. It's like it's like the government <laughs> spent nine billion dollars. Like we need that. The space force needs to have Chewy cookies. Let's give all the money in the so world good. to Nabisco. They're great. My question: so good. We can focus on the cookies on this, but spray cheese is it aioli? Ah. I'm just saying, I'm not it's into an it emulsification. I, I can't. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Eliza Marin, ice cream is frozen soup. <laughs> no. <laughs> I like the idea that, like, you could take a can of clam chowder, put it in the freezer, and Eliza here is just like, that's ice cream now. <laughs> um, no, but this does come into play in a weird thing. We talked before about the. <laughs> I hate that I'm doing this about the fluid dynamics of soup versus sauce. Right. And we talked about the idea of, we've talked about this a lot about needing a physicist. I've had like, uh, like mechanical engineering grad students reach out to me and be like, I think I have a coefficient for this. And I'm just like, piss off nerd. (laughs) 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 But anyways, uh, the fact that ice cream is literally frozen creme anglaise, right. Which is like an OG French sauce. You can make ice cream without eggs, without making creme anglaise. But one of the ways to make ice cream is to freeze creme anglaise. Creme anglaise is a sauce, not a soup, though it does look similar. So no, ice cream is not frozen soup, but I think it's hilarious. I think this is a hot take that I'm going to disagree with. (laughs) And that's that. (laughs) Pixie underscore Aaron. Eating a cold hot dog is no different than a cold sandwich. It's totally fine. This is an ongoing disagreement between my husband and I. I love that people talk about the marital problems with us. It truly makes me laugh. Um, You know, I don't know, man. Cold hot dogs are a little sus. Like, I don't get it. I understand why you would do it, but I'm, I don't like it. I don't like cold hot dogs. It's weird. So we've mentioned that we're not going to talk about whether or not hot dogs are sandwiches ever on this podcast. And that is something that I firmly believe in. But one thing that I do believe is that bologna is flat hot dog. <laughs> but they taste the same. Eat a cold hot dog. Eat bologna cold. And again, bologna, you can eat either hot or cold. Both are delicious. But bologna is flat hot dog. And using the flat hot dog theorem you could surmise that cold hot dog is totally delicious. So yeah, I'm totally cool with that. When you eat your bologna, do you just like do like a slap on the tongue and just slurp it up? Or do you like fold it into like a flower and like put it in your mouth? I'm a big fan of of the bologna tongue slap. (laughs) Don't look that up on Urban Dictionary. I think I think my issue is like the the just structure of the hot dog is just so thick and snapping mm-hmm. into it is like so unpleasant. But like a thin sheet of uh of pink slime, yeah, I could do that. You know what I want to do now? I want to shave hot dogs on a uh, mandolin and then make a hot dog terrine and then eat slices of hot dog in a sandwich. Why can't I do no, that? That's... I can do that. I have the power to do that. I'm gonna do that. That should be your new quarantine activity. <laughs> Making hot dog terrine? I'm game. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, here we go. At JK1824, cereal is better once it's soggy. This is heavily dependent 
on the cereal. But the other day when I was in the office for the first time in a while and I was completely alone uh, and I was a little bit stressed and when I'm stressed, I eat cereal. I poured myself a giant bowl of Cap'n Crunch and then I poured the milk on top of it and then I put it in the freezer for 10 minutes so it could get ice cold and soggy. And that is a proper way to eat Cap'n Crunch. Ditto with something like shredded mini wheats. However, fruity pebbles when they're soggy do not hold up. Rice krispies when they're soggy do not hold up. This is cereal dependent. Okay, it is cereal dependent, but typically I can clean off, I can polish off a bowl of cereal in like two minutes flat. So the soggy cereal thing doesn't really happen to me because I, the second like the milk is poured, it's game time, you know? <laughs> so this really doesn't pertain to me. So sorry. As someone who like indulges in all of his gross food desires very quickly, I am deceptively into the idea of pleasure delaying when it comes to food of like yeah make this burrito and then you wrap it in foil and you let it sit for 10 minutes because you know it's gonna be better once the tortilla steams same way with cereal where i'm like you gotta let you gotta let the crunch berries sit and then i'll snack on dry crunch berries while i'm letting them sit i've never been that kind of person what's it called pleasure delaying never this is like it like you know those kids that they're like if you put a marshmallow down like and i leave the room you can have two marshmallows i'm like give me that individual marshmallow i've always been like that i have issues okay uh adam colster says a corn dog is a kebab they spelled it kebab which makes me feel like uh they're probably not middle east wait no, but I think I think the way they spelled it is uh, very popular in Commonwealth countries, like in Britain, like because they'll pronounce yes. it like kebab. Like you know, want to go get a kebab? That's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's not. You tried it. Very different. Thank you. Yeah, like is any food on it? How would you define kebab? Uh, meat on a stick, grilled. In the outside. Is kebab always grilled? It typically is like over a fire, but like since me, I live in a condo, so I don't have the pleasure of having an outside grill. Mm. So I do it like on an open flame. Like I remove all the grates like from my range and I just do it on an open flame with my parents. I'm very bad at it. Like very, very bad. Wait. So like I like try to do it and I'm like, hey, and then I just go, okay, dad, you do you it. You just make kebab on like an open gas burner? Yup. Dude, that's dope. Dangerous. <laughs> Doesn't it drip? Uh, yeah. <laughs> cool. That's what 405 is for. I love that. Whatever yeah, I think that spray. I think once you batter and deep fry a hot dog, I don't think it becomes a kebab at all. But um, a hot dog is kebab. A hot dog, a straight hot dog is kebab. That's the new name <laughs> of the sandwich. That should have been the name of the podcast. <laughs> all right, we got at at Mel Step with three P's. Nachos made with queso are an abomination. Uh, I almost <laughs> think the opposite that any nachos made without liquid cheese. So queso. And nacho cheese are two different things, right? Queso is chile con queso, yes. which is a Tejano thing that has like, you know, roasted peppers and onions and typically tomatoes into the liquid cheese. Um, and then queso liquido uh, or literally liquid cheese is what they call like nacho cheese, which is just like hmm. violently yellow acidic, but there's no chunks in it. So like nachos made with nacho cheese to me is the best way to go. I absolutely love it. If you want to make an artisanal cheese sauce, do that. I mean, I'll eat any nacho, but I'm a huge liquid cheese stand. I love the way that it sogs into the tortilla and it turns it almost into like cheesy chilaquiles. I love nachos with queso, but I was raised in a household where I would just take bagged Horizon Mexican cheese and spread it over some pita chips and call it a day. But yeah, Dude, I love nachos with queso and I think it's the proper way to eat nachos. I've talked about the book Taco USA by Gustavo Arellano a lot. It's yes. a fantastic text, but like he brings up the idea of Mexican blend shredded cheese that I feel like everybody yeah. I know in California grew up on. Like that was the default cheese in our house. And like, it's like cheddar yep. and Jack. And sometimes they like 
will be like queso chihuahua but like queso chihuahua is just pretty much jack cheese like it's very similar like it's literally just <laughs> exactly random bag cheese but like for some reason every household in southern california gets quote-unquote mexican blended it's like what the hell does that mean it's the bomb whatever it is it's the bomb <laughs> corp xe says at wetzel's pretzel cinnamon sugar pretzels are absolutely 100 meant to be dipped into their cheese sauce uh no they're not sorry i don't like that at all just eat the damn cinnamon bites ya heathen yeah they give you the little uh the the white cheese sauce that's sweet the frosting whatever dip it in that <laughs> they're like you mean frosting <laughs> yeah whatever white cheese queso queso blanco <laughs> they're like few uh taste thoughts that physically make me ill right you think about the combination in your mind what that would taste like in your mouth there are few that make me physically ill this is somehow one of them the idea of a cinnamon sugar pretzel being dipped into like a warm cheese sauce for some reason makes me viscerally Uh, sick if you love it do you man that's awesome i can't get in board you know what would be worse if there were chocolate chips in there (laughs) yeah chocolate and cheddar cheese what a disgusting combination all right at kitty underscore schmidt dipping pretzel slash pretzel sticks into cold tea is delicious Here's the interesting thing yeah. about that. Pretzels have like a protective coating on them. Yes. Like hard pretzels? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh, what's the tea doing? It's not soaking. It's not like an Oreo and milk. It's not porous. So you just you just want like the cold and like the wet? You want cold, wet pretzels? Cold, wet pretzels. I, I don't get it. These food opinions are like really sending, like I am just dissatisfied <laughs> with these. That, I don't know what's going on in this thread, but I am not having a good time. Mama's not happy. That's why I love this segment so much because like... <laughs> So many of these are not even like crazy hot takes, you know, a lot of them are just like, I dip pretzel sticks into cold tea. And I'm just like, I've never heard of that idea in my life. And I've spent my devoted my entire life to like studying food and the practices of different regions and people. And this person's like pretzels and tea. And I'm just like, you just blew my mind in not a great way. Let's see what's mom. I'm recording a podcast. Hi, Shala. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. Okay, metal underscore gear underscore Lucas. Hot Italian sausage is the goat of meats, period. Want a little extra kick in your fried rice? Done. Want some spicy flavor with your eggs in the morning? Done. Need something to go with your pasta? Done. It's always there for us in our time of need. Okay, see, this is a really good take. Uh, I love hot Italian sausage because I love fennel, and it's a really underutilized spice in American cooking. So anywhere, anywhere you can like throw it in there, and I also love spicy food. So like fennel and spice and meat, like this is great. I agree. I think putting it in your fried rice is brilliant and a revelation. And you did a great job. I'm really proud of you. This is a really good food take. I love you. I have nothing bad to say about this. You're right. Fennel seed and like Calabrian chili or crushed red pepper and garlic is what a beautiful combination with meats. And I think that hot Italian sausage should be the default sausages of tailgates, not bratwurst. I love me some brats. I love me all the German Canada sausage. But you get like the Johnsonville hot Italian sausage, throw that bad boy on the grill, pour some fresh Coors Light on it just for show delicious at a tailgate yeah i'm all with you metal gear lucas i I hope you have fun with your video games that's a that's a gamer name josh i've never been to a tailgate before what oh my god next (laughs) if football season ever happens we are gonna go to a ucla tailgate and we're gonna bring a ton of food we're gonna make kabob on our charcoal grill (laughs) uh and it's gonna be fantastic i want to make um god what's not sujuk 
Kubide. Kubide. I want to make just like big old Kubide cheesesteaks. Oh, hell yeah. We're there. I'm We're there. We're into it. 100%. Ryan, you're invited. <laughs> Ryan, you want to come tailgate if football ever returns? <laughs> and on that note, thank you for listening to A Hot Dog is a Sandwich. We got new episodes for you every Wednesday. If you want to be featured on Opinions Are Like Casseroles, you can hit us up on Twitter at MythicalChef or NHendiZada with the hashtag OpinionCasserole. And for more Mythical Kitchen, check us out on YouTube. We launch new videos every week. And of course, if you want to share pics of your dishes, hit us up on Instagram at Mythical kitchen. Me and mayonnaise girl. We'll see you next time.